cold ears in the goo. This is very, very exciting. I'm very excited for this episode of the podcast. All right, shall we begin? We shall. We shall. All right. Good evening, everyone, because at this point, we've had so many technical difficulties that it's now 9 o'clock in the evening. Right, Rob? It's 9 o'clock Rob, you got to hold the Thursday. mic. Mike, that microphone's got to be so much closer. Sorry. There I'm we go. so sorry. I, I tell you that every single time. It's it's like that idea, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Welcome to my that. life. Oh, <laughs> a female voice on the podcast. Who might that be, Rob? That would be my lovely wife, Julia. <laughs> and I have my lovely fiance here, Sarah. Say hello, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> Zing. Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. I am, of course, your host, Tim Whitaker, joined of by... Of course. Well, of course. Joined by Sarah Woods, Rob, and Julia Mcmichael, which is also their Facebook page, by the way. It's a joint account. So, oh, absolutely. Yes. That's, that's, the, only, that's the only way God allows Facebook. I can never yeah. tell who is posting what. It's usually Rob. But sometimes I feel like this could be Rob. And then sometimes I feel like, well, it could be Julia. I, But it gets confusing real quick. Real quick. We do that on purpose. I'm not a big... I mean, are you... Sarah, when we get married in about six months, are we going to have a joint account? Let's have this conversation in public. <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do. Does it really, we don't have to think about it. It's Facebook. <laughs> it's, it's a big decision, though. Okay, probably. We are. Ooh. Can we interject our reasons well, here? All the time we have for today, I'm copying the Yeah, no. Tell us your reasons. Okay, so the reasons were because it keeps each other accountable and it keeps other people from messaging us things that are completely inappropriate that shouldn't be discussed with my husband or with me without the other one present. Are you saying that you've received inappropriate Facebook messages? I'm just saying that people have sent messages and it's been wrong. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good idea. I don't think everyone understands how to respect a married couple. That's probably true. And the communication. I'm not sure what we'll do. I mean, we already have each other's like Facebook passwords and stuff. Yeah. Well, I have yours. <laughs> <laughs> we really got you going. <laughs> Anyway, well, this is going to be a, a fun episode because, oh, by the way, I should mention here to my listeners, if I sound really wonky, that's because we are using my laptop microphone as well as three other microphones because we could not get our fourth mic to work. So if the audio isn't that great, we apologize. Maybe next week we'll get it resolved. But we really wanted to have Rob and Sarah, I'm sorry, uh, Julia and Sarah on the podcast this week because Rob, as we know, we had a pretty good podcast about two weeks ago around dating and relationships. And I was told by many readers, or listeners, I should say, readers. Why do I say readers? I don't know. Because we started with the blog. I, oh, okay. I guess that's true. Um, quite a few listeners were like, you got to have a woman's perspective on there, blah, 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 blah. So here I am being PC, being politically correct. <laughs> I brought women on the podcast. Okay? <laughs> there you go, my big lib listeners out there. Hope and they have happy. no bias towards our opinions. <laughs> Hello, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, well, let's hop into... To, my favorite new segment that still has no intro yet. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll get something going. Uh, let's hop into Christians in the News. Now, Rob, I told you that last week or two weeks ago, I would find a positive Christian Christians in the News story. So I had to do some digging. I had to look on the underground side of the web. I had to go real deep. But I did find... Um, what? Something that you could construe as being positive. <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah, but I found something. I did find something. In fact, this actually made national news. I'm going to read the headline brought to you by CBS 6 in North Carolina. 
North Carolina pastor talks down gunmen during sermon. So this is a true story. Apparently, Pastor Larry Wright was talking to a small eastern North Carolina congregation about the senseless deaths in his community when a man with a rifle walked into his church. Talk about, like, (laughs) good and bad timing at the same exact time. Like, terrible timing, but, you know, almost kind of like on cue. You're talking about senseless deaths, and here's someone walking into your church with a rifle. Anyway, um, Pastor Wright, he leads the Heal the Land Outreach Ministries in North Carolina. He told CNN that the man had a gun in one hand in an ammo magazine with shiny rounds in the other. So, I mean, imagine yourself in this situation. You're 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 speaking, you're talking about about death and a guy a gunman walks in uh, to the church and Wright walks up to him and asks if he can pray for him. And the man said yes and one by one, they kind of disarmed the man. Uh, Pastor Wright laid hands on him, and he um, had a deacon next to him kind of take, you know, of course, the rifle and the ammunition away. Um, they hugged him, and then they prayed and they talked to him. I mean, that, that's kind of the story in a nutshell. Um, it was also late. It was about 20 minutes before midnight. Um, so it was actually like a New Year's Eve service, which is really crazy. So the, he told the man, after he pulled the gun away, he told the man to sit in the front row and to stay there, and he preached a full message with the, with the gentleman there. And then, of course, obviously, at some point, authorities had to, get, had to be called. But what I like about this story is that I feel like, like the pastor had a really kingdom perspective of what was happening um, in, this, in this situation, because instead of him you know, taking the gun away than having people tackle him or stopping the whole service and calling, you know, the authorities. He he saw the gospel need that this man had, that this man really was just broken and needed Jesus. And he had him sit through the entire service first and prayed with him before even authorities were called. Um, see, that is, that's what I like. There are good Christians <laughs> out there in the world. There are, there really are. But when I read this, I was thinking, man, like I, I almost got chills myself because I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know, I, I can almost, like, feel feel God in that story. You know, it's, it reminds me of kind of like Saul in the Bible, how he was someone who used to murder Christians, and then God turned him around. I kind of think of something similar to that. This man went in there to do really evil things, but the pastor saw the need and addressed the spiritual need, and then they took care of, you know, of the law need. So I wanted to share that with the listeners today and get, I mean, really everyone here on this mic, uh, your actions as well. But I just thought that was a really powerful story of like a kingdom minded pastor. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, I, <laughs> I, I kind of envisioned like uh, a bit of Joseph. And uh, when Joseph was like, you know, God meant it for evil or you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Yeah. And so here's this pastor. He's like, Hey, you came in here meaning to harm all of us, right. but God meant it for something else. God had you come in here for a reason, and he was able to pray with him. He was able to give him that full sermon and preach the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, yeah, just a really cool story. So I wanted to share that story to all our listeners. Uh, this man's name was Pastor... Larry Wright. Larry Wright. So, Pastor Larry, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> props to you. You're a good man. So there no, he, is. he definitely is listening. There it is. Christians in the News Positive Edition, the one and only. So, <laughs> so next week we will get back to our normal 
you know, <laughs> life as usual. Yeah, we'll post some more Donald Trump, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Next positive coming in 2017. Yeah, yeah, exactly, pretty much. But that's not true. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> so I wanted to share that. So let's, let's go ahead and move on now to our main meat and potatoes for a couple of reasons. One, Julie has to go to bed. She has work early in the morning. But two, more importantly, <laughs> I want to continue this conversation that Rob, Jordan, and myself had uh, almost now three weeks ago about dating in the church and kind of like that next step. So Rob, we left on, we left off on the note of, we kind of started scratching the surface at like, I guess I would call it serious dating for lack of a better term, because we, we kind of compare and contrasted like when you're a teenager in the church sometimes and the way that like youth group dating can be perceived, but we were kind of ending up on like the, you know, well, what happens when you're really dating someone in your twenties or, you know, like late teens and it's a serious relationship. I mean, I think you and Julia, Julia, how old were you when you when you got married to Rob? I was twenty. You were twenty. So when you were dating, I was nineteen. You were nineteen. So you were seriously dating someone at nineteen years old. We were engaged when I was nineteen. Engaged at nineteen, and I think Sarah, I think Kara, our friend Kara, was that young too, right? Kara, yeah, Kara got married. Yes, Kara and Aaron, they got married um, like the same month that she turned twenty. So we we do know a few people who got married or dated young. Julia, what was that? What was that like for you dating at nineteen? Because in my head, I think about when I was nineteen, and I'm like, there was no way I was even close to any kind of like serious relationship. So I'll just put a disclaimer: I'm definitely an old soul. So I wasn't ever like into the young party scene, trying to figure myself out. I pretty much knew who I was and what I wanted out of life, which is rare, I'm told. But it was really hard because I had a lot of people in the world just tell me that I was too young. I was taking things too serious. I was going too fast. I was going to have a horrible marriage. I was going to be divorced. It wouldn't be successful because I didn't know what I was getting into. And that was hard because I felt like I had to prove to everyone that I was mature enough. I was old enough to handle this. Um, But it did help that Rob's five years older than me. So he was a little bit more established than the other guys my age. So I will be honest. (laughs) I mean, he was done college. He had a job. He was ready to settle down. So that definitely helped me because I was ready to settle down. And we both had the same goal in mind. So it made it a lot easier. How did you guys meet? How did you and Rob meet? Uh, <laughs> so well, Christian we, Mingle, plenty of fish. Well, Christian Mingle didn't work for me. No, I'm just kidding. Anger, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Snapchat <laughs> is actually <laughs> where we met. <laughs> um, we actually met through a mutual friend when I was still in high school, and um, I ended up breaking up with that kid because I said I want to go to his church, which is actually the church that Rob goes to. And a year later, I was at one of the conferences for that church, and Rob's friend happened to be there and said, hey, this girl Julia was there, and she said she knows you. And I got a Facebook message. I thought you hated the Gospel Hall. Why are you at a conference? It wasn't quite like that, but that was was the main message. All right. So then we started talking, and I was away at college at Liberty in Virginia, and he was here in Jersey. And we started talking and Skyping, and we kind of knew something was different. So he said right from the beginning, let's start reading the Bible together. We read the whole book of Psalms. And I came home. And then moved on to Song of Solomon. Yeah. No. <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> Second date. Let's read Song of Solomon. the message edition together. Yeah. So then I came home from college and we officially started dating and we're engaged within eight months and married eight months after that. So you really are like one of the anomalies, honestly, because you're 19, yeah. you're dating someone who is. You are making a lot of noise. Rob, Rob is breaking this, this kitchen down. Luckily, it's your kitchen, Rob. So. Um, but so you and Rob are dating 
at 19, you're he's five years older than you. So obviously, like on paper, it doesn't look really that great. Well, my dad like totally questioned the whole thing. So did my mom. When we started dating, my dad thought that he was dating me, honestly, to have sex with me. That was really what he thought the goal was because Rob was older and I was young. You can't say that word on the on this podcast. Sex, it's a family sex, friendly sex. podcast. So yeah, there was a lot of questioning on what Rob's motives were because he was so much older than me. Um, and I bet was that hard for you, hon? Like, no, I, yeah. See, I'm Rob a pretty confident care. person, so <laughs> I knew what I was about. So hmm. people can question me. That's okay. I question you all the time, Rob. So <laughs> that's all right. That's why we're friends. <laughs> that's right. Okay, interesting. So I mean, you know, we were talking last episode a lot about kind of dating dating as a teenager, um, especially when you're seven, eighteen, nineteen, and what that can look like in the church and how that can be kind of. Not always a great experience, but in your case, you were kind of one of the exceptions because you you and Rob met at, at really nineteen. You got engaged eight months later, and you were married by twenty, right? Yeah. Wow. And you guys, how, many, how long have you been married now? Three years. And you have a child together. We do. So you really you're a success story. Yes. So really far, cool. so well, good. Well, wait, it even gets better though. You got to think this runs in my family. My sister got married at seventeen. Wow. Had her first kid at eighteen, and they've been married for ten years, and they have five kids. And married at seventeen. Married at seventeen. He was nineteen. She was seventeen. So I mean, it does happen, and I guess my family does it well. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. You know that really. My my um not that I did a lot really in high school or even in my twenties I didn't need a whole lot but I, my my um. My experience was so vastly different from that because, A, at 19, there's no way I was ready not, ready or mature enough to get married, period. It was not even on my radar. But also the way that I viewed even dating at that time was so extreme. It was kind of like, well, if I don't have like a yes from God in like two like two dates that this is the one, then it's not even worth me even dating someone. you know. But then I kind of went – I don't want to say to the opposite extreme, but I kind of went more into I think a centered view of like, well, dating – can not can be not a bad thing if you do it right. You know, you, you can definitely go on dates with someone and not cross any real boundaries and kind of figure out if this is something that, that is worth pursuing. But I, you know, the experience you had was obviously just so, so different from that, which is crazy. And you know, you're just so much more independent than I am, I think, too. But like when everyone was talking about college and what their career was going to be, there was really nothing that sparked me. And I didn't grow up saying, I want to be this, I want to do that. I knew I had a desire to be a wife mm. and to be a mother. And I had a stay-at-home mom. I valued that. Um, and that's really what I wanted, always. So in high school, everyone joked, you're going to be the first to get married. You're going to be the first to get married because right. I have such a passion for children um, and to be a homemaker. I think that the Lord does use stay-at-home moms to do amazing things. 100%. And I can't wait to be one. Yeah, no, I was definitely not thinking about home life at 19. I was thinking about drumming, and I was thinking about touring. And in fact, I think when I was 19 was when, I, was when I went to Europe for three months. I spent three months overseas in Belgium, Finland, and Germany. And when I came back, I I knew that college wasn't really the right move. I, I couldn't justify spending a ton of money to, to get a degree for something that I wasn't even sure about. I loved music a whole lot. I, you know, and I just kind of made odd jobs work and kind of did my thing. I was part of a really uh, solid community group, you know, called 11th Hour at the time. So... Yeah, I definitely was not thinking. I mean, I I was obviously desiring someone, but definitely not in the sense of like, oh yeah, I think I just want to settle down like as soon as possible and just get married in the next year or two. Like it was just not on my radar, which is it's fine, but yeah, just a completely different experience than than I had. Rob, were you the way I was at that at, at like nineteen, twenty, twenty one, or were you kind of more like Julia and you were more oh, I was trying to settle down, old soul kind of mentality. 
it, it depended on which point in the roller coaster of my life you caught me on. So at some points I'd be, oh, you know what? I'm ready to settle down. Like I want to start a family. I want to lead my wife in spiritual things. And then there'd be a complete opposite where I was just making out with people because that's what I like to do. So, well, what guy does it, Rob? Right. So, like, it was it it was kind of a right a a bumpy ride for me up until the point where like the Lord really spoke to me. It was like, what you're doing is not good. Mm. And so I finally came to the end of that. And when I finally just kind of submitted myself to the Lord, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about that. I've always had a desire to be married. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be married. I always thought I was going to be married by 21. That didn't happen. I'm quite all right with that because I would have made a a terrible husband at 21. Did you feel, though, that, like, at 21 you had unrealistic expectations for marriage? I know I did. Like, I think because I was was a church kid, I just assumed that, like, you know, kind of like my version of, like, the world's version of dating was getting married so I could have sex. You know what I mean? And like, well, I get married and live with someone, but my, my expectation of marriage was like, we'll just like live free and, you know, like we'll just travel all around and who needs money and I'll find someone who just like, you know, wants to just throw it all away and like live however we want. But that's obviously, it's not realistic because you need some kind of stability in your life to have a stable marriage. And I think even when you have that stability in your life and you're right up at the point where, okay, I'm getting married tomorrow, you're still not prepared. You're you're not ready for that. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so and any amount of preparedness that we think that we've done, you're still not really ready for that next step until you get there. And that's okay. But you have to be able to admit that and say, Lord, we're going to need you in this next step. Yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder how, I mean, I, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So when you're younger or you, know, you look back, you're kind of like, wow, I was really selfish, which makes you wonder, I wonder how selfish I am now and how much. Oh, you'll you know, learn. <laughs> <laughs> you will. <laughs> we, Sarah and I are experiencing that big time even now while we're engaged because I think that you and I have had more, I'll call it friction because we haven't really been fighting, but more right. friction than ever because mm-hmm. I think we're both realizing like, wow, like there's a lot of work that has to go into even in, even being engaged and not even married, I mean, we're not even living together, and already we have like disagreements, or you know, I might say something the wrong way, and it just might not come across the right way, and you know, or vice versa, or whatever it is. I mean, there's all these little like like micro life details that really on paper aren't big deals when you talk about it like in a context like a podcast, but in the moment they're really big deals, and you're like, how could you do that, or how? And they're not big deals, and it's been interesting because when I mean, we get married in July, in about six months from now. And these past few months have been, in my opinion, the most difficult but also the most rewarding mm-hmm. times, uh, time of our relationship because we know that we're committed to each other, you know, unless an act of God happens that we can't foresee as far as, like, you know, something crazy. But, yeah, God willing, we're, we're going to get married on July 22nd mm-hmm. without, you know, there's that, that, that's the plan. So with the context of, well, we're already kind of, in a sense, we're, like, emotionally already there in the sense of, well, we're committed to life. It's difficult because when you have these fights, it's not you're no longer arguing in the context of, well, are we going to break up? Is this person worth it? Like you've already told the person that they're worth it. So now, now you have to back up what you said, even when it gets really difficult to do, which yep. has been a huge. I mean, on a personal level, probably not, probably more so on my end because I'm very stubborn, right, Sarah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's, been, honest. <laughs> it's been a real big challenge for me to be like, 
wow, like what does it look like to lay down your life, to lay down your desires, which is really hard, I think, for anyone, but for me in particular, it's definitely difficult, you know, so, anyway, but yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying, um, it's just a very, like you said, it's un, it's just, there's no words that can really describe the experience until you're actually in it, and so I can't imagine, I mean, I can imagine us married, but I can't imagine the obstacles we're going to have when we first get married, Sarah, because we really can't prepare for them. Right. You know, we, we can't practice living together. <laughs> it's right. just not going to happen right now. Yeah, the only thing you can pre- prepare yourself for is submission to God, submission to godly roles for a husband, for a wife, submission to his leading. So to say, you know what, I'm, I know I'm going to come to circumstances where I'm wrong and I'm not going to want to be wrong. <laughs> but I'll have to be able to tell myself, no, you're wrong and you have to admit it now. But we don't do that always. We're no, still learning. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And there's still points where I'm like, man, yesterday I really shouldn't have done that. I, I should have considered. And some of the practical things like you were talking about that you learn through marriage is when I was single – when I was done work, I could go shopping and get whatever I wanted and come home. Yeah. And I didn't have to tell anyone where I was going or what right. I was doing. That all changed. It was, why aren't you home from work yet? Like, you should be home at this point. It's like, oh, man, I forgot to tell you I was stopping at such right. and such a, a place. Right. And so you always have to be mindful that there's someone else that is uh, conscious of what I'm doing at what at every moment. Right. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's definitely... That's been interesting even, again, you know, it's hard to, all we can speak to is as an engaged couple right now. We can't speak to marriage. But there have been glimpses of those things. Kind of like, you know, kind of getting a, you know, like when like you pass through a fence real fast, like like, like you're running by, you can kind of see clearly once you stop, it's not there anymore. Same kind of thing. Like we're getting glimpses as we kind of move along, but they're kind of like bits and pieces. Right. And um, even like financially, like, you know, we've yeah. been discussing like how do we budget and you know, if I want to buy this, like, do I run and buy Sarah now or do I wait till marriage or have we discussed what we're going to spend our money on, you know, and Sarah is a lot more giving than I am. So Christmas time was, you know, Sarah's like, oh yeah, I'll be in budget. I'm like, great, 50 bucks for, for everything. Great. You know, like 200 bucks later, I'm like, where's the money going? And she's, and well, I'll let you explain that. But, you know, it was just very like different because I just don't think that way, you know, and Sarah's on the shopping spree. It wasn't a shopping spree. <laughs> I like to give gifts. That's something that I'm good at. People have told me that I'm good at giving gifts. And That's so, true. like, I can't go somewhere and know that it's Christmas time and not give a gift. I just can't do it. It's just, I, I can't. But I can't. <laughs> yeah. Tim thinks that his presence is a gift in itself. So. Well, I mean. Um, I was a little disappointed in my Christmas gift this year from Tim. <laughs> well, well, it was nothing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I got anything. Actually, to put that, a funny story about that. So, for I have a lot of aunts and uncles in my family, a lot of cousins. And we ha- I have, like, seven aunts and uncles, and then I have, like, 20 little cousins. So, Sarah is buying a gift, a gift for everyone. Well, not everyone. I bought so- soap from the place that I work for your aunts. You have six aunts? It was just not what I'm used to. That's all. And I got bath bombs <laughs> for Antonia. I didn't yeah. even get anything for your uncles. So. That's true. All right. I, I take it back. So, but you were thinking about it. Good job, Sarah. You're thinking about it. Right? Tina, you should appreciate that, that though, because she has such a giving heart. Well, that's that's why yeah. I appreciate her. And a when lot, you have you know? kids, that's going to be even more appreciative. It's going to be huge. I mean, Sarah has a humongous heart. That is good for me because my heart at times can be that way, but <laughs> generally is not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, so even stuff like that, you know, finances or gift giving or whatever it is, even now, now that we're house hunting, even house hunting has been, you know, we've had to 
figure out like, well, what do we agree on are non-negotiables, and then what are ones that we bathtub. can kind of give and take? Yeah, her her non-negotiable is that it has to have a bathtub. So, hopefully, uh, you need that, it. especially <laughs> if you're gonna have kids in the future. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a good point. So, but yeah, so um, Sarah, hello, hello, hi. Um, it's me. We started dating two years almost ago, two almost two years ago. ago, but we're also five years apart, which right. is crazy. So you started dating me really when you were were you nineteen? No. You were 20. You just turned 20. 20 because we dated in January and you mm-hmm. turned um, 20, 20 in yeah, December. December. So why don't you share how we met in your perspective of that? Because you were younger as well yeah, when we started we, dating. So Yeah. So, well, um, so dating for me in, okay, dating for me um, as a teenager, I was in a pretty serious relationship, but like my church, re- I mean, the church that I was going to was really confusing for me because it was like dating in high school was like a cardinal sin. But if you were single by the time you graduated college and you're just never going to get married. So <laughs> it was like so confusing, like mixed signals, you know. Um, but Tim and I, we met um, the year after I graduated high school. Yeah, the year that I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And we worked at Camp Melody together. Yeah, don't drink his <laughs> I won't, won't drink his coffee. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, we met well, at Camp Melody. What is Camp Melody? Camp Melody is that um, uh, volunteer camp for boys that we go to every year. And we're like underprivileged boys go for free and it's a ton of fun. We go there as, as counselors right. and stuff like I that. I guess they learn music? No, actually, they don't. They, oh. the, the camp is named in the honor of someone's daughter who passed away. Okay. Named Melody. But it's actually, like, like Sarah said, it's a, boy, it's a camp for boys who can't afford to go to camp. We raise the money every year, and we, a bunch of uh, good friends of mine, we all go up there as counselors, and we also bring up uh, a staff of, like, three girls to do, like, like the points and the games. scoring and, yeah, games. You know, the guys can clean up the girls' plates to get points, stuff like that. And give us love um, notes and candy. Right, yeah, love notes. Okay. I don't think I've eaten as much candy as that week. So. <laughs> so we've been doing that for 15, I have, for almost 15 years now, a long time. Um, so, anyway, so, yeah, so that's yeah. how you and I met. So we met that way. I went to high school with your little brother. And that was fun. But I, I never met you until after high school. Right. Um, and we didn't start dating until, um, I guess, the like almost a year and a half after we met. Um, yeah. And I pretty much knew right away that I was going to marry you. Pretty much. Girls have that intuition. I don't understand. They just do. Well, you tell um, tell our listeners how, like who you know who you told them and when and where we were when, when right. we did this. Okay, so um, it's actually three years ago this week. We uh, both of us went on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic with a lot of our, our mutual friends, and on that trip, um, I, I I actually was dating somebody else at this time. But on that trip, I had told two of my closest friends, like, in an alternate universe, Tim and, like, Tim's, like, Tim's cute. Like, I can see me and Tim together. And my best friends are like, no way. Like, that would be the worst. Like, just get that <laughs> out of your mind right now. Um, and I was like, okay, okay. But then I, when we got home, I was talking to my friend Allison, and I was like, Allison, I don't know why, but I can just see myself marrying Tim. Like, I don't, I don't know why. And, like, I can just picture it all in my mind. And that was, like, a good – that was – yeah, a year, a year before we got before we started dating. Yeah. Um, what was it like? I mean, you went from dating someone in high school, kind of on and off, to dating someone who's five years older. You know. Some <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of scary how similar it is between Rob and Julia and me and Sarah. But what what was the biggest shift for you going from 
you know, dating someone in high school that was kind of on and off to dating someone who, you know, at the, at the time I wasn't playing games, you know, like I knew that, that like, we're going to figure this out pretty soon. I'm going to know if this is going to go somewhere or not. So what was the shift for you dating someone, you know, in high school and then dating someone a little bit later on? Right. Well, before you, I had only had one serious boyfriend, so it wasn't like I was like dating around and, um, I mean, I was, I was pretty committed to him and we talked about marriage all the time, but we just, it wasn't right. You know what I mean? It just wasn't, we just weren't right for each other. And, um, so I was, I mean, two weeks after we started dating, I told you I loved you. Like I, I was ready to get married like yesterday. (laughs) So, um, I, it wasn't a, a big switch for me. I think it was, um, I felt a little bit more grown up because it was more acceptable then to be in like an adult serious relationship. And it was more real because I knew that you were older and I knew that like, you know, like this is either going to work out or it's not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think there was a little bit more on the line. Yeah. Because in, a, in high school, it's like break up. Okay. You date somebody else, but yeah, no, I think there was more on the line, but I also think that we were, well, at least I was, I, I kept on saying, take it one day at a time. Like, I, oh, I know. And that's because I, I was so nervous because I'm like, I know she likes me. <laughs> and I, I genuinely, genuinely like Sarah. Like I really did. But I knew that that the farther we went along, if we broke up, it was only going to hurt more, especially on her end, you know, and because we had a lot of mutual friends. So it was tough because, listen, I mean, even though I was, quote, unquote, older, when you say I love you two weeks in, I'm like, I mean, the walls are closing in, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this girl is hooked, hook, line, and sinker, sinker. I'm getting there, but I'm not there just yet. And so if if we break up, she's really... You know, she's really going to – all I'm thinking about is how hurt she's going to get if we do end up not making – Wait, you didn't say it back? You said, no, thank, you. said thank you? I said thank yeah, you. I said thank you. Wow. Ouch. No, no, no. Oh, hold I on. I mean, I'm glad hold that on. you didn't say because you weren't I, ready to say it. I can it, but... explain all of this in context. And P.S., we also said I love you two weeks into our relationships. <laughs> so, That's kind of crazy. So I'm pretty sure, Sarah, that I told you that, like, I'm, I wasn't going to say I love you until I, I knew that I really, really meant really it. really, really knew it. And yeah. I told her that ahead of time. I said, listen, I'm not going to say that because I've said it before in relationships and it just feels cheap after you say it and you break up you just kind of feel like well what good was my word if, if i said that and we're, we're, we broke up and if love if we're going especially by if we're going especially by first corinthians 13 love obviously in that context was not con- unconditional because we broke up you know so that was kind of my logic at the time and so i told her pretty good early logic. it was good logic yeah i said listen i said i when i'm ready i will say it but i need to make sure that i really confidently believe that i unconditionally as much as i humanly can anyway mm-hmm. love you and so two weeks later, we're driving, we're driving to my house, we're by the McDonald's off 38, that's where you first said it, or it's in that area, because that's when I remember yeah, I remember somewhere. talking to you, and you look at me in the car, and you're just like, I love you. And I was like, uh-oh. In my head, I'm like, oh my Like inside goodness. out, the alarm's going yes, off in your head. Yes, like inside girl, out. Girl, girl, yeah, girl. Like, love, I love, 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 love. You know, like the alarm is going off. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm like, what do I say? Because I'm not going to say I love you back. I'm not going to just on an emotional whim drop it back and give this girl potentially false hope. So I made me cry. Hold on. I did, but, <laughs> but I said thank you. She started crying. I said, listen, I, here's exactly what I told you. I said, you have, I said, I have two options here. I can either lie to you right now and tell you I love you back, or I can blow smoke up your butt. That's what I told her. And I probably could have said a lot nicer in, in context. But that's what I said. I said, those are the two options. Either I can lie to you um, and, and, or, and blow smoke up your butt, or I can tell you the truth. And the truth is that you know I'm not there yet. So thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot. I understand that you saying that I understand what you're doing, and I really appreciate that, and your heart's safe here, but 
I made it really clear in the beginning that this is something that I'm not going to say unless I mean it. So now you know when I do say it that I mean it. You know? So, Sarah, then I have to ask. So I know that probably really hurt then. Oh, yeah. But, like, now when you look at it, do you appreciate it? Because now when I hear that's where I think, wow, he, like, he had enough respect for you to be like, I'm not going to lie to you. These are my feelings. And when I'm ready to say it, I'm going to say it. Like, do you see it yeah. a different way now? Yeah, now I, I mean, I'm glad that he waited because when he did, I don't I mean, if I'm honest, I don't really remember the first time that you said Me it. Me either, It was honestly. probably really significant, but I don't remember it now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't remember either. But you know, though, I mean, I, I mean, I know you know that now, but in the beginning especially when I was saying that, you knew that I meant it. Right. Because it had weight, right? Right. And I know, I know when you said it, too. I'm not saying that when you said it, you didn't have any weight behind it. But I did think I'm like, is she just emotionally caught up right now? Like, is she even convinced Which that she even loves me? Which is fair, yeah. you know? But I think... You know, you even said even before this, like before we even dated, like in a perfect world or in an alternate yeah. universe, you know, so there was something there, whether it was the Holy Spirit or whatever it was, kind of yeah. tugging. So, you know, when you said that, I understood, but I was just not ready for it right. at all. I wasn't ready yet. So, yeah, so I, I am glad that you waited. Um, back then, I, did, I mean, I cried. I was like, oh, I'm sure I would have. And I felt bad. I, I want to take one day at a time. And I was like, we're breaking up tomorrow. Here well, I actually, I did almost freak you out. Yeah, you did. You <laughs> this did. is a hilarious story. We first, we're, we just started dating maybe a week or two. No, we weren't even dating yet. No, we were just talking. Yet. We were just mm-hmm. talking. And, and you kept saying that, let's just take it one day at a time. We'll just take it one day at a time. So, and then one day, I don't hear from him at all. Not all day. The whole day. And I'm like... That's messed up. I mean, I didn't, I didn't text him first because we were still talking. And I was like, he should text me first. You know, he's the boy. Like, yep, he great. Finish me. <laughs> and I don't hear from him literally all day. So I'm at school and I, I have like, you know, like I'm going through all my classes. And I, I'm like checking my phone all day. Is he on Facebook? Is he post? Like, what's going on? And I, like, it's like eight o'clock at night. And I text him and I was like, well, I hope you're not dead. And he's like, hey, I just had a really great day. And like, you know whatever just been keeping really busy and i was like cool like this is it that's that's it just say goodbye and it turns out like you you called me what the next morning i call you the next morning because at this point you know you know me sarah and robin julia you guys know this too i can be an overthinker and when i said you yeah i know it's it's hard to believe but when i start overthinking and i get myself worked up into a thinking frenzy then the walls are closing in my life is over like this is just pure television so at this point, we were just talking, and I'm like, that's it. Like, this is the girl I'm going to be with. I don't even know her that well. I, I don't even know if, if, I'm, if I'm even ready for this. But she thinks that she's with me, so I feel like I'm obligated now to be with her. So, oh, my gosh, I'm just freaking out. This, I mean, totally illogical train of thought, but it, it was just pure panic, right? And I'm working out on a construction job. So it's like 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, and I call he, you. He I'm like, I'm like, I got to call her. I got to talk to her. So I call her. I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, she's like hello. And I'm like... I just want to make sure that uh, like that we're on the same page. We're, on the we're same taking page. it like one day at a time, and you know, like we're just kind of walking through doors as they open and just seeing how it goes. I'm like, what? Right, and then I'm <laughs> like, wait, she doesn't think that. Oh my gosh, we're not on the same page. So now, like, my alarms are going off, like you know, like just like an inside out. No love, so, no love, right, no love. right. I'm thinking, I'm like, oh no, she was totally committed 100, percent and I wasn't, and I'm gonna break this girl's heart. Then she's gonna tell all her friends, all her friends are gonna hate me, well, and then I'm gonna get alienated. Like I'm thinking all these terrible things. You know? Well, the way that he was talking was like, like it was like I had already said I will, like I'll marry you, you know, like, and we had only we weren't even dating yet, and I my mindset was like, you know. Of course, take it one day at a time. So him saying that was like, what? I'm confused. Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a unique start for sure. It was a good one, and I, you know, I definitely, obviously, I 
like you a lot, but it was definitely like one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, everything's closing in. But then I think I apologized later on. And yeah. We learned how to communicate, or at least we started to learn how to communicate. Started, yeah. That was the beginning. So it, it saved us. You will us. keep learning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something that we do that we do every now and then, or I would say probably, probably once a week, is we have like a time that we both know we're going to come to the table and like be able to bring up any concerns or any like you know thoughts or good things about grievances. our relationship. Grievances. grievances. <laughs> wow. Kidding. 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 She posts the 99 thesis on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> but we had that time, and I'll tell you what, man. Doing that like once a week or just knowing that at some point I'll I'll have a time to bring up things that might be kind of bugging me or she'll have time has saved us, I think, a lot of aggravation. What? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Nothing. Just what? your words. Your wording. What did I, I say? Just knowing that I have a time that I can bring up things that are bugging me. <laughs> That's just guy talk, you know? I don't know how, to, how else to say it. Things that are grinding my gears. I don't know. Which really aren't really any major things. But, but knowing that we have that time has saved us a lot of other times that could have been a lot worse because you know we have gone a few weeks without having that conversation and that usually something disastrous. something bad happens you know like, especially when there's overthinkers that are like oh man this is really bothering me i and it keeps going on and, and on and on tells you i spent the whole day thinking about the things that have been bugging me <laughs> that is not what and then happens. i realized i was being selfish <laughs> Well, that, that's the resolve, though. I realized it was me, not you. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so we're still learning, too. Even, it's me, not you. Uh, there's been a, quite a few of those. But yeah, dating, dating on my end, you know, to kind of share my perspective on this and we can move on, it was really weird dating again because I waited so long. Like, I dated some – the only person I really seriously dated – I had to be 18 or 19, you know? So here's the thing with dating, and I'm just going to interject this because I did listen to the podcast when you guys were talking about it. And I know Rob was saying about, like, dating with a purpose and things like that. And people, like, not that you were disagreeing, but you were kind of saying, like, loosely more dating, I guess. Like, he was saying dating for marriage, and you said almost it was like a courtship. Whatever. Sure. So when I was dating in high school, I was in a serious relationship on and off. Not good relationship at all. Very unhealthy. Um, But... In between that relationship, we would break up. I date someone else real quick, but it was then where I learned. Yeah, I know, right? It was horrible. It was then that I learned if I'm going to marry this person, this is a total waste of my time. And I dated a guy for two months, and we had some different views. That's actually when I met Rob, and it was like we didn't break up because we didn't like each other. We didn't break up because we were mad at each other. Like, it wasn't an anger thing. It was like, hey, I don't want to live my life this way, and you said that you did. And this won't ever match up for us. And so we broke up. And we broke up on good terms. We were friends after that, like friends with family, whatever. And it was hard because it still hurt because I did date. But that's at 17. So, I mean, I was an old soul again. But I definitely had that mindset. Like, I need to learn that if this isn't going to go anywhere in the future, I got to cut it off now. And I think that a lot of people just date to have fun. And you're, like, dating multiple people at a time. Not that you're doing anything with them, but you're going out to dinner with, like, different people every day. Okay, that might be fun for a while. But, like, it's useless, in my opinion. If you're not dating with a purpose, you're kind of wasting your time. Because, like you were saying earlier, heartbreak is a serious thing. And even if you're not dating for that long, heartbreak can come pretty quick. And so now that I'm like married and I have Rob, I wish almost I could have taken back some of my relationships that I didn't date with a purpose, like the one I was in for a long time that I thought I was stuck in. I wasted a lot of time and I brought a lot of baggage into my marriage because I was too afraid to cut it off. And if I was dating with a purpose the whole time, that relationship would have ended really quick. Yeah. Okay. So you say that to say 
to say that to say that you should date with a purpose. That this whole dating idea, just because you turn 16, doesn't mean you have to go on a date. Like, if you're not ready to date to figure out if you're going to marry this person, I would say wait. Don't waste the heartbreak. But by that, but by that, okay, so here's an example, right? Let's say my 18-year-old daughter says, hey, I met a guy and I really like him. I want to date with him purpose of marriage. I wouldn't believe her because she's 18. But in your case, that's the truth. Like, you really were that person. Yeah, I really was that person. So, So it's hard like, so who makes that judgment call? Does the parent No, make that no, I think my call? mom knew I was serious, though, when I started dating Rob. Right. I don't think it's... What I'm saying is that, like, I don't think that... Like, I agree with you, Julia. I don't think that, that just that dating to date is, like, it's like, a smart idea. However, what I am saying is that I don't see what's wrong with going out on dates with someone to see if maybe you're compatible. Right, now, right. Maybe, no, I totally agree. You maybe, have to go on dates to figure that out. 17 or 18, that's a little unrealistic. Maybe, you know, the whole teenage thing gets in there. But, but when you're a little bit older, when you're in your 20s, and you, no matter what, like at that point, you're pretty much dating to find out if this is going to go somewhere or not. Even if you're not even a Christian. I mean, most people, yeah, they date to have fun, but usually they date because there's some kind of compatibility that, that they see that could be something steady in most cases for dating, not a hookup, but for dating. Right. right? So, you know, I dated... That one person in high school, same thing. I, mean, we, we, I feel like we all have that kind of story. We all dated that one person in high school that wasn't good for us that, you know, we, we, we took super seriously because it was like our first love. It hurts. It stinks. Yeah. But after that, there were definitely girls out there that I either pursued or that I liked a lot that I tried to make not, you know, that I tried to make things work that just didn't pan out, right? So even though I didn't officially like, you know, date all through my 20s, I was still pursuing different girls in my 20s. No, I'm not saying you can't pursue. I think, okay, maybe it came out the wrong way, but, like, even when I was in Liberty, right before Rob and I started dating, there was a guy at Liberty that I kind of dated for, like, two months, and we broke up because he wanted to be a missionary, and at that point in my life, I was like, I'm not willing to dedicate my life to that and take my family overseas. I'm being selfish right now, and I don't want that for my life, and we broke up, sure. but I had to date him to figure that out, yeah. so I totally agree with that. you regret that? No, but it was with a purpose. Right. So, I just think, like, the casual dating, like, I'm just doing it because you're fun, no, maybe not going to get you what anywhere. I, what I'm saying is that is that taking taking it seriously in the sense of like we need to find out on like three dates if we're compatible or not because if we're not we're just wasting our time. Like there are those people out there who are right, like, true. God, am I getting a green light to marry this person? Oh, it's been one date. I got a green light. We should get married. There are Christians out there who really believe that. Oh yeah, don't they totally see it as sinful just to take it slow and to figure out if this is something that if this is something that really could be realistic. You know, there was a girl that I went out on three dates with. And at the end of the third one, I knew that I really wasn't that interested. I had to tell her, and it sucked because I knew that she made it clear that she really liked me at the time, you know. But I had to tell her, listen, I don't see it going anywhere. But I waited two or three dates to to see if that was really an option, you know, before I – even though the first date I didn't feel a lot of chemistry, I didn't just say, ah – I said, you know, what, I'll give it another date or two. You know, there was no, there was no boundaries crossed. We simply got dinner and talked to get to find out if we're really, right. if this is something that we that we would want to, you know, kind of um, move forward with. So I had that a lot in my twenties, but then when I met Sarah, I was I haven't I didn't I wasn't really either pursuing or dating anyone for a couple of years. So it was really weird on my end getting back into some kind of relationship with someone because, like Rob said. You know, when you're single for a while, you just do things on your own. And I do that naturally, even in the context of a relationship. I'm learning how to involve someone else because I've just always been that kind of person where I'm just going and I don't have a rearview mirror sometimes or most times, you know. And so I can just go and if someone doesn't follow, well, too bad. You know, that's just how I've always been. Just move, move, move. So dating someone and having to kind of slow down a little bit and kind of bring someone else into my life and also 
more importantly, involve my life in their lives, become a part of their life as well, was a humongous challenge in the beginning. And it's still a, it's still a challenge, but I think it's gotten better now that we're kind of learning how to communicate and, hey, here's, here's our plans and here's how this works, you know. But I can remember, <laughs> you know, I can remember just times where I would just – Whatever it was, like 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 not text you all day, or it was you know, hey, I'm doing this. It wasn't it wasn't asking, it was just telling, like, hey, I'm gonna do this tonight. So that's the end of it, you know. And it, I had to really realize, like, when you have someone else involved, especially someone that you love, they want to be a part of those things too, and that you have to kind of slow down and communicate with that person. And that person might say, actually, it would be cool if we had time that night. And you have to make that you have to make that call. You have to make that priority call of putting that person above other things that maybe you're passionate about but have to take a second you know really a back seat um to that relationship if you want it to thrive because if there's one thing i've realized about dating and engagement it's that you really do have a seed that you have to really protect and water and nourish and if you don't it's not going to grow by itself like if you don't put intentional time in of being with that person one-on-one or of just working through just tough conversations or being able to be honest even though it's difficult that seed is going to stay in that soil. It's never going to sprout into a tree eventually, which has been a huge learning opportunity for me. And you got to keep doing that marriage too. Cause I think there's many times where like our schedule gets crazy and we just don't make time for each other. And we make time for all of our friends and we make time for all these fun events. And we're at like everything except for things that are like for us. And then it's the end of the week. And all of a sudden I'm mad at him because it's like wow you didn't pay attention to me all week meanwhile he's thinking wow you crammed our calendar all week long so like you know we've had to learn how to communicate that and we've tried like the shared calendar on the phone which we kind of got bad at but you know it's just like i would schedule too much then i would get mad because i didn't feel like he was paying attention and we've many times had to step back and say we need to go on a date or we need to do well, something together this question because as an engaged couple and i know this is a myth but i don't see how it's a myth how do you not find time when you guys live together? Like you sleep in the same bed. How does that not happen? Because as, as someone who's engaged, I see all the all the holes in engaged life. We're not living together. I don't see her every night. She has to go back to, my, to her house to go to bed. You know, we make time whenever whenever we see each other. It's always doing something intentionally. It's not just around the house. So how, as a married couple, does that happen? So I'll, I'll give you a a quick view of a daily life in the McMichael household. I'm ready. All right, so I leave work. I leave to go to work about seven o'clock. So I'm a late sleeper. So I'll wake up at like six forty-five and get. Qu- I get ready real quick and out, I'm it. out That's the door. My life. Yeah, I love it. So I work until five thirty. I get home at six. So at six, we've got to eat dinner. There's if it's Wednesday night, we have church at seven thirty. If it's Monday and Wednesday, I actually have physical therapy when I get home. Uh, so I'm not home until seven, seven thirty. Sometimes, sometimes I'm going right from physical therapy to church on Wednesday nights. On Tuesday, we normally schedule something. Tim, you'll come over. We'll have a podcast. Sure. Uh, Julia's coming home. We've got laundry to do. We got to clean the house. Um, we have to take care of Elijah. We got to make sure he's bathed. We got to make sure he's fed. Sometimes we don't eat until he's in bed, so we're not eating until eight, eight thirty. And then by the time we finally get time to sit down and talk, now we're both exhausted and we just want to go to bed and go to well, sleep. That's that's where you go into your bed and have sex. Okay, like so here's the other thing now. Become close again, okay, right? you have this great dream about sex. Let me tell you, there are some times where it just doesn't happen the way you want it to. Come on. Um, I mean, obviously, we have an okay sex life because we have a son. But I'm just saying, it's not the fantasy you always think it is. But like even before we had Elijah, I mean, we would 
have busy days, busy schedules. You work all day. You come home and I am OCD. So I do over clean and I'm hyper and I get that and I've been working on it. But I mean, we used to like cook dinner and get the dishes done. And then you finally sit down and you're just so tired. And like when we first got married, Rob only needs like four hours of sleep. Okay. If I don't get seven or eight hours, I am not a nice person the next day. And I'm total monster. If I get eight hours, I'm a monster. Yeah. So (laughs) what we started doing early into our marriage was like when I would get tired, he would come to bed with me and be with me in bed. And then I would fall asleep and he would maybe play a game on his phone, play a game on the iPad, but he never left the bed. Like we were always in bed together. It wasn't like he stayed in the living room and watched TV and I was sleeping. And that's something I think I really appreciate it because like my body can't stay up. Like I am actually exhausted. Like I can't function. And he's been willing to like come to bed early and spend time with me and be with me until I fall asleep and then hang out right next to me and play a game until he's tired. But I mean, it is hard. Like, when you have your own home and you're trying to keep up on things and you're both working full time and you also want a social life and you want to have people over, like we love hosting. I, you know, we love having people here. I think God bless us with a home to use it for those purposes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not regretting any of that, right. but you, then there's cleaning to prep for when they come, you're cleaning when they leave and then you're ready for bed. And it's like, I don't really want to talk to you right now. But see in my perfect <laughs> fantasy world, right? Here's how my day looks like. I wake up sex. All right, so I, go, I go to work, have a great day. I come oh, home, Sarah. we eat, we go to bed, sex, rinse and repeat. I mean, how hard can that be? I don't understand. I mean, I'm just kidding, obviously. I know that's not realistic. But honestly, you know, I'm glad you guys shared that because I, as someone who does not live with, you know, with Sarah, I'm like, how do you, how, and I, I hear, I know it's a common theme with couples, not just you guys. I mean, I know tons of couples who are like, we have to make time for each other. You know, consistently, whether it is intimate, uh, you know, physical intimacy or whether it is just a date night or whether it's just hanging out and watching a movie together, we have to make that time and almost kind of like, quote unquote, put it on the calendar. We get stuck in a pattern. But I guess that's true because (laughs) sometimes I feel like like you can look at future things to solve problems that you have now. But if you don't have time now, you're not going to have time when you're married. Right. right? Right. That's probably the logic, right? Right. If you don't have time now, it's not going to just magically free up when you're married. And I... I can understand that because there have been so many times with friends where I'm like, you know what, man, just give me till the end of the month. Next month, my schedule's totally open. I'll be much more available. I'll be able to relax. But by the time I get there, that month's already packed. Like, I mean, yep. it's just booked with either music things or whatever it is, you know? So, so what do you, I mean, to engage couples out there that you got in your experience, what do you recommend? Like, how do you recommend trying to, even attempting to balance the act of, Social life, responsibility, work life, but also, especially while you're engaged or dating seriously, building a solid foundation. So when you, you do walk into marriage, yeah, of course, I know you're going to learn things. There's things you can't prepare for. But how do you get the most prepared for those things? I think one of the things that you guys said you were doing is vital, is sitting down, making that time to say, hey, these are the things that I'd like to talk about. Whether they're good, whether they're, you know, this has been annoying me or this has been bugging me or whatever it is, you're making that time to say, okay, now we have to sit down and talk because you don't know what I'm thinking 100% of the time. I don't know what you're thinking 100% of the time, but you're already getting into the groove of setting time apart. And I think that's one of the very important things because you're going to have to set time apart for a lot of things. You're going to have to set time apart to read and pray together. That's something that is very hard to do, and Satan does not want you to do that. Mm. And we we were under the same impression when we were engaged. We were like, 
man, I'm not going to have to drive 45 minutes right. to your mom's house to drop you off and then drive 45 minutes home. We're going to have so much time. Right. Well, like you and I know when we were single, we'd fill that time with something else. Sure. So when you get married and those 45 minutes are now available, they get filled really quickly. Right. But it has to be intentional that, okay, I'm going to set this time aside. And if I don't get this time, I'm, I need this time. Not just for myself, but I need it for my marriage. And there have been times where Julia has looked at me and, because I can, I'm a very social person, so I can get too wrapped up in, oh, we need to hang out with this person. We have to see this it's person. It's like we have one free night and he's inviting friends over. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> and it's just because I'm. Free night? Who wants to hang out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, you're hanging out with us too, of course. She's right, like, no, right. I need just time with you. I'm like, right. ah, you know, we'll, and, we'll get around to it. And know? Julia has looked at me and said, we can't do anything this Saturday. I need you time. And those are times where I have to say, Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. I'm canceling all of the plans, and we just do it. And so there has to be that that give and take, that sacrificial mentality of I'm going to set aside things that I would rather be doing. Not that I would rather be doing, be hanging out with my friends than Julia, but just resetting my mind to think that way. And I think we just take each other for granted too, because we are with each other. Like if you think about it, you're like, oh well, I'm with him all day. Right. Really, I'm not because I'm working 45 hours out of the week. Sure. Then you throw a kid in the mix. You know, right. we get home and it's like bath time, dinner time, all that stuff. But you do, you take each other for granted because you just think I'm sleeping next to him all night. Like we're together all night. We didn't go anywhere yesterday. But how much time of that was like together like time, time, communicating time? Like maybe we were just sitting next to each other watching TV and it was kind of useless like and sometimes i don't get anything out of that like sometimes i do want to snuggle and watch tv and sometimes i'm like turn the tv off and talk to me but like unless you say that the other person doesn't know and we definitely take that for granted a lot i feel like you can't you can't get mad at the other person for not like reading your mind about that either like you, no. you have to communicate those things right so and that was a false expectation that i definitely brought into marriage even though i knew like dudes don't know like you have to say it plain and clear but i thought okay you're watching me i'm giving you all the signals like why are you not paying attention and still i do it sometimes too too, but now I've gotten more bold where I'm like, okay, listen, I right. need to talk to you about something because right. it's bugging me. It has nothing to do, especially as, you know, I can say this for sure. I'm sure Rob can. It has nothing to do with us, like, not wanting to meet those needs. We just don't, we just don't know sometimes. Like, if you don't, you know, obviously, if you don't tell us, we can't, we can't make the time for that need. But I think at the other side, sometimes girls feel like, well, if he didn't make the time before I had to ask him, it must not be important to him. So, you know, therefore, you know, kind of like the guy taking that initiative of, hey, I think we need time. Like, great i was already thinking that you know so there's probably give and take for both like that's something i've had to get better at as well it's just like thinking kind of a little bit ahead like you know we haven't gotten time together so i should probably just plan a date night and just kind of go for it you know and some marriages that i've seen that being really successful they have a date night like yeah, every friday or every saturday like my one girlfriend it was every saturday whether it was night or day they made sure they had at least two hours whether it was they went for a drive they went for a walk they made sure they had alone time every saturday had a really successful marriage i mean it obviously did wonders for them right yeah i mean that's something that we kind of um figured out early on in our relationship that like i mean i am not a social butterfly and you are and so, like, even very early on, I was like, but we can just, you and me, we can just hang out all the time, like, just us, like, right? Because my last boyfriend, like, we were, like, our only friends. Like, I didn't have, I mean, I had friends that I didn't really hang out with as often as I hung out with my boyfriend. And so I expected that to be that way with Tim. And so with Tim, I was like, oh, I'm your only friend now, so who else could you be hanging out with, really? Um, and so we figured that out early on, that, you know, like, there, we, you know, 
there are nights when it's like friends night, but then we also have like, I think we need an us night. Yeah, I feel like we both kind of come towards, a little more towards center on that because you're right. I definitely am, you know, I can always find someone to hang out with. Like, you know, when I get home, I don't get energized by being alone. I get energized by like, Give me one or two good friends. Give me a good movie. Give me a podcast night. Give me a coffee night. Just get, and I, I don't need like 30 people. I need just maybe one other friend. But I need someone to hang out with just to kind of talk, right? That's just how I get energy. Sarah, obviously, being more Pretty introverted, opposite. complete opposite. She gets her energy from really being alone or maybe, Watching you know. Netflix. Oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So it, it definitely was a challenge in the beginning. But I feel like, you know. I'm more introverted now than I ever was. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're more extroverted now yeah. than you ever were. And that's been a really good thing because because we, we've kind of, at least I felt like, I, or I feel like we've run as far, we've been running as hard as we can towards the opposite, trying to understand yeah, and kind of be a part of that. And I found a lot of healthy things in being a little more introverted. Like I've found healthy things in having just a day to myself with no one. Sometimes I'm in Sarah, like, you know what? I'm going to take the night for myself, turn my phone off. I'm just going to detox, you know, and Sarah has found, I think, you found even more friends just to hang out with that aren't, right. aren't you know, that, is, that isn't me. Yeah, right. Maybe just another friend of yours that for that for that girl time or whatever it is that you might, right. you know, not even realize that maybe you've been missing, but it's been so vital to when you do have it. So, right. yeah, it's definitely been, it's been a fun challenge, but it's been, in the beginning, I remember you got really upset almost the first time we started dating because you, you said that you felt like I was putting my friends ahead of you. Yeah, I was like, I take the back seat to your friends. Right, and I was like, oh, like, I didn't even think about it like that. I'm just thinking, like, this is just how I am. Like, I just hang out with everyone, you know, that I just, I have a lot of friends, especially in the musician circle. I'm always doing something musically, so I'm always, like, planning some practice night or some event or some mixing night, whatever it is. And I can see it now, kind of, like, if I'm planning every night, I'm like, hey, I'm not available, not available, not available. I can see how you can see it as, well, is there any time for me? Like, how does this even work? Like, I do feel like I'm taking a back seat, you know? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's been a definitely... It's but we worked through that well with communication. Well, and, like, really, like, me saying... I mean, I, I, the same, I'm the same way, Julia. Like, I have gotten to that point where, like, I don't expect him to just kind yeah. of read my mind or the signs that I'm giving him. Like, I say now, like... No, like this. I this right. is how I'm feeling. Like this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And you know, like what what can we do? Like, right. You know, because before I would just kind of be like, okay, sure, and I'd be moody, and because that's how I was. Yeah. I mean, I didn't learn very good communication in relationships. So. Well, there was definitely. I mean, whenever you date someone or you're married to someone, I feel like you always bring baggage in from the past. And I don't know how it was for you guys, but I mean, I I brought baggage in that I didn't even know I still had. You know, like Sarah and I were dating. And I'm like, oh, this is from that relationship almost 10 years ago. Like, yep. I'll never forget the first time. Um, I, I know what you're going to say. We were, I, my, my roommate, Ed, he asked me to hang out. And I had a free night Saturday. We Sarah and I had no plans. We just started dating. And I was like, uh, okay. I said, well, let me check with Sarah, you know. And I was like nervous to ask her because, well, of course, when you're a teenager, it's totally different. But when I was a teenager dating that other girl, if I, if I had a free night, she just kind of assumed that it was supposed to be with her. So it was always a fight to get any time with, with a guy or with anything. And it, if she said okay, usually it was very passive-aggressive, right? So I'm like, hey, Sarah, would it be maybe okay, if, only if it's okay with you, if maybe I hung out with Ed on Saturday night, you know, we don't really have any plans. If you want to make plans, I can override that. And she was like, yeah, sure. Like, are you sure? Are you positive? Are you 100%? She's like, Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm like, are you mad right now? You know, I'm like asking her like all these like qualifying questions. She's like, are no. Are you upset? Are you frustrated? Right. Are you <laughs> right? Like, and she was like, no, just. Are you anything but happy or right, content? right, right? <laughs> Is there anything you need to tell me? Am I, I going to pay for this later on? You know. I was like, no, just hang out with Ed. He's your roommate. You, like, you haven't seen him. Just hang out with him. So, and, and it's silly to look back on that now, right? right? But that was like one example of just like, oh, I brought that into this relationship from that relationship without me and I thought I took care of that because you figure 10 years ago like you move past those things you're a whole different person which is true but you and even when you're married that stuff still comes up because like I was super insecure in my past relationships like been being cheated on and things like that so I was like a little FBI agent like I was always digging through information I had passwords everything that he didn't even know about right so <laughs> here I am not me not him oh, so here oh, oh. so like I, I brought this Rob. in so like even now that I'm married like sometimes he'll be in the shower and like his phone will be out and I'm like oh I should probably go through his text messages and just see who he's talking to like we're married three years right and I still do that so so the other day I kind of felt convicted about it like I was reading a thing and I was like and I always delete my messages because I hate having extra stuff on my phone and it bugs him and I'm like I don't understand why that bugs you so I I kind of felt bad about it so I said to Rob you know I really feel bad about it because I was reading this article and it kind of said like it looks shady when you do that and I I'm not talking to anyone I shouldn't be talking to nor am I having conversations that I shouldn't be having so I'm really going to make an effort not to delete all my text messages and if you ever want to grab my phone like we know each other's password like please go through it because I don't want it to look like I'm hiding something for me when I realized that it can look like that and then I said you know and I do go through your phone when you're in the shower he's like yeah I know I open it it's never on the same page I'm like wait you've known this whole time I've been going through your phone yeah, yeah I opened my phone it's on a text message that was like a conversation that was going on three weeks ago <laughs> I'm like, why is this o- oh I know why this is open so the whole time he knew I was snooping on him I'm like oh geez I was totally caught yeah, yeah absolutely well it's good to know I guess that even when you guys get married you're still working through stuff and there were, there were different things that sparked those insecurities. When we first got married, we saw a girl he knew at a rest stop, and <laughs> I was very you evil, and I felt horrible, and to that girl, I am so sorry. <laughs> I was immature back then. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, even now, that even, oh, sorry, even now, like, um, as we move forward, like, there are things that have been coming up, like, baggage of mine that, it there you know it's just life baggage that is, has yeah. just been coming up like yeah. you know things that I am suspicious of or you know I project onto you it's it's not from a past relationship but like just life experiences right. so just working through that um, has been interesting for us too yeah it's been good but it's been definitely uh, eye opening stuff you know so yeah I think one of the one of the main points that we're kind of hitting all around but haven't quite stated yet is when you when you come into that age of maturity when you really want to start dating seriously it it's not so much okay you've reached 21 now you can start right but it's that age of maturity and with that comes along that responsibility that as a man or as a woman i'm responsible for your heart i'm responsible for protecting it because I think part of the reason that we have such issues with the dating scene or with uh, marriages or engagements or whatever is because we have this view. If marriage isn't the end, then the, the relationship has failed. That's not true. If, right. if you have determined God's will, the relationship is successful. Whether that means you've broken it off and said, no, this isn't right. We just need to split our ways and go. Or, yes, this is right. Let's get married. Right. 
Um, but to be able to get to the point where you say, no, this wasn't, this isn't the Lord's will. We should move on. I'm not a good fit for you. You're not a good fit for me. That can, that's really only possible without a maximum amount of hurt. If you've been guarding each other's heart the whole time. So saying like, Tim, you didn't want to say, I love you because you were saying, if this doesn't work, I don't want to have regrets about this relationship. I don't want to have this situation come back and haunt you later in life. Right. And so that was a very wise and mature thing for Tim to oh, do. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. Can you repeat that, please? I, <laughs> no, I couldn't no. hear you over, uh, you know, I don't think over the static. Hat off. No, <laughs> no I'd, I'd, uh, I can only say that once. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the things that show a maturity for marriage. Those are things that show a maturity for progressing into that next stage of, okay, now I'm ready to actually date, to actually look for my partner in life. Those are the things that guys and girls should be looking for in potential spouses, is these keys that this is a person that's not only spiritually mature, but is emotionally mature, is mentally mature, and I can rely on to be stable through my marriage as well. Yeah, it's tough though when you have a media and you have a culture that 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 looks through the arts first and then tries to determine reality through the arts, right? So it's so difficult when you grow up on these movies, all sorts of movies, doesn't matter what kind, whether it's Disney or a, or, or a romantic comedy or whatever it is, where it always ends, usually ends on some kind of happy note. And in the in the the movie, like they're they're always portrayed as like you know, there's no problems, there's no miscommunication. You can read the other person's mind, whatever it is, you know. And I think that can play a big role in this because I, I'll tell you that when I stopped having like those like initial, you know, like uh, like butterfly feelings for Sarah, I kind of got freaked out thinking, oh gosh, I must not like her anymore. Like I didn't know. Like all I knew was what I saw on, you know, TV and what people told me. So I kind of just assumed that like, oh no, I must not like her. Like I don't have these like raging feelings right, right, right this second for Sarah. I guess it's not meant to be. Like I, that sounds so silly now, but it, it's the truth. That's like how I thought at one point, yeah. you know? And I feel like it, it can be so difficult in the beginning, especially when you're younger, to sort through like we had a fight. Well, let's just break up. If we're going to keep fighting all the time versus, well, let's work through it because it's worth it. And right. you don't really see that too often, you know? I mean, even like some of our favorite shows, like I think about like The Office, right? We love The Office. It's one of our favorite shows of all time. But Pam and Jim are pretty romanticized in that season, in, in, in that TV series. I mean, everything. Jim is like perfect man. He right. Does all the small little things and knows Pam so well. And right. And Pam is and Pam is super quirky and has a great sense of humor and gets all his little jokes and like pushes him to be more quirky and like it validates all those things that as a guy I would want. You know, like wow, like she just seems so hilarious and like she's so stable and never has an emotional outburst. You know, like and then Jim is this guy who's so thoughtful and you know proposes like in the perfect way and and again. It, do we know that it's a TV show? Of course, but your mind still can't get can't help almost sometimes being wired to kind of see it that way, you know. So all I have to say, it can it can be difficult. I think when you're in those tw- early twenties, even late twenties, you know, it, it comes down to like you said, like that maturity of can can we see through you know, the arts here and, and kind of find what a really healthy relationship is because it's a lot of work. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes things that most people are never going to see between you and your wife that make a successful marriage happen. And guess what? It's not movie-worthy. <laughs> like, the fighting or, like, the, the long three-hour communication or uh, conversation around whatever it is is not going to make it into the final cut of The Office, right, or whatever, whatever it is. But that's in the real world what makes a healthy marriage actually work. 
Absolutely. So, yeah. anyway, whew. well, it's uh, we're already an hour over, or not hour over, but we're ready. Time, we're over time. We're, we're past the hour mark, which is a shame because I want to keep going. But it is ten o'clock. You have work tomorrow. I'm tired. Um, I want to continue this, though. I think maybe with the four of us, if we can, we'll have to talk to Jordan and see what his availability is. But I would like to, on our next episode, kind of get into some of like the things that can ruin a relationship. Particularly, I think sexual addiction could be something that could be worth talking about because I think it's something that the that the church doesn't want to hit. And I love talking about things that the church doesn't want to talk about. So, <laughs> so I think getting into maybe porn and all that kind of stuff could be maybe a good topic to kind of hit as far as like how dangerous that stuff is, especially for people who are dating or who are single, you know, just some of those lies, but yeah, we can kind of go from there, but yeah, definitely. I, I would go into it now, but it's just way over time. It's a whole other discussion. Yeah, this, so. that will take four episodes <laughs> yeah, in itself. Yeah, for sure. So, um, ladies, thank you for joining us. Did thank you. you. I did. A lot of fun, right? Yeah. Podcasting is a good time. I don't know what it is. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just it's conversation just fun, with so. microphones in your hand. That's all. Pretty much, you know, so. Makes me feel like I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> Um, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Um, we try to do this at least once a week, but sometimes life, life just gets in the way, and we obviously don't get paid to do this, unfortunately, because it'd be a lot of fun. But um, <laughs> if you want to sponsor us, yes, yes. If you, want to, if you want to sponsor an episode, by all means, I will. If you want the Powerball you know? and you want to share, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, thanks again, guys, for listening. If you have any thoughts, if you have any thoughts or um, or just feedback for us, Rob, what's our email address? Uh, admin, no, it's podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com. Cool. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have any topics for us to cover, please shoot us an email. Um, Sarah also reminded me, thank you, I almost forgot. What coffee are we drinking tonight, guys? We never talked about that. Like Arabic Wegmans or uh, Arabic? <laughs> Arabic. <laughs> Arabic. <laughs> it's late, guys. It's late. Arabica. Arabica. That's it. <laughs> there she is. You're so smart. That's Sarah, why I married you, Sarah Woods. That's why I married you. So the coffee was good, by the way. I thought it would taste delicious. Yes, so, it was. No hey, 129 at Wakeman. I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anyway, everyone, thanks again for joining us. Tune in next week. Uh, if you like the podcast, please share it. We will catch up with you guys later. So have a great, great, I guess whatever time you're listening to this, whether it's day, morning, day, night, whatever it is. Have a good, have a good one. one. Have a good one.